Hello and welcome to CAD Speaker Series podcast. This week, CAD student ambassador Alexandra Gonzalez will be interviewing Maria La Torre, member of the European Commission's group of experts in international trade and professor at Universidad Complutense de Madrid. Maria just delivered a talk on the economic implications of Brexit from a trade and FDI perspective for both the UK and the European Union. Maria, welcome to the Center for International Development podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You recently published a paper on the economic impact of Brexit. Could you tell us a little about your major findings, what you look in your analysis, and what do the data show you? Sure. Um, well, first, let's, let me begin by saying that these are my own views. This does not represent the views of the AC or... This is the studies I've been doing with my co-authors. So my co-authors and I uh, find that Brexit is, uh, is going to be negative for both the EU and the UK, but uh, does those, those results are going to be quite asymmetric. And with that, I mean that it's going to be much more harmful for the UK than for the EU. This is in line with most of the studies that have been conducted about the impact of Brexit. Most of us have been looking at the results of trade, of barriers to trade that Brexit means. We also include, and this I think there are less studies that do that, we also include foreign direct investment, which is very important. The UK attracts a lot of, is the top uh, recipient of foreign direct investment in the EU. So we also look at the impact of foreign direct investment in the UK. And in a different study, we have also looked at the impact of migration. And again, we find that it's going to be negative if they, we look at different policies, more restrictive or less restrictive policies. And again, we find it's going to be much more harmful for the UK. And depending on how the restrictive they become, the foreign GDP is going to be larger or, or smaller. And that's more or less what we find. Great. Uh, the British Prime Minister stated while in Florence last Friday that there is no need to impose tariffs where there are none now. Moreover, she proposed a kind of soft Brexit with a transition of two years after the UK leaves the European Union, during which trade should continue on current terms. On the side of the EU, though, do you think it would be politically advantageous to negotiate a hard exit of the UK? Or would it make more sense for the EU also to maintain a hybrid relationship with Britain with certain benefits? Well, you know, uh, Brexit is bad for both the UK and the EU, but it's much more far harmful for the UK. In that sense, if the EU puts in a balance on one hand the whole EU project, and the, in the other in the others, on the other hand, they look at the the cost of Brexit, of course, for the EU, is going to be much more important than the entire EU project. So that's one thing I guess they want to protect because they have much more at stake with that. I think there are a lot of possibilities for having a hard Brexit. And in this scenario, how do you see the relationship between the UK and the EU beyond Brexit. As Prime Minister uh, May has mentioned, the UK does not want to be a regular member of the EU, but they don't want to establish the same kind of free trade agreement like the one that they have with Canada. What would be the response of the European Union to this intervention of uh, Theresa May? 
Right. Well, I think that speech has been very important, and it's it's sort of signals a change in the policy the the UK the UK has now with Brexit. So, if you remember previously, they were saying, "Well, we're we're going to have a, we're going to have a, a tax haven in the UK, and you know, no deal is better than a bad deal." I think they are changing their their you know their approach to the entire negotiation. I think that negotiation is going to be very hard, probably long, but we don't know, but hard for sure, because the closer uh, the UK wants to remain in its economic relationship with the EU, with respect to the EU, the closer they are, the, the less harmful Brexit is. And with that, I mean, if they have less barriers to trade, less barriers to investment, even barriers to immigration, um, the lower the barriers, the better for the UK economy. But of course, that that is saying like, we want to still have the same situation that we have a single market. And you cannot have a single market and be outside of the EU. So being close has a price. And that's very, that you can see that with the example of Norway. Norway has a single market, but it pays to the EU budget. It has to accept immigrants. So close ties have a price. If you are part, you ha- are part of the story for the good side of the story and for maybe what could be seen as not that good side of the story. So I think the the negotiation is going to be along those lines. You want some benefits, then you have some obligations. And also, so on this, on the one hand, we have these negotiations between the UK and the EU, but also maybe the UK will increase possible bilateral free trade agreements with other countries. Do you think these uh, trade agreements would potentially outweigh or at least counterbalance the disbalances of leaving the European Union? Well, I think those agreements are not going to be able to compensate the losses of having access to a huge market like the EU is. So let me clarify that being in a single market is a very special type of relationship. It's a very special type of integration process. That's very hard to replicate. And you have no single market in any other part of the world. That's very special. So the UK trades about 50% of its trade, more or less for imports and exports, 50% of them are with the EU. That has an explanation. It's because the EU is its natural partner. In economics, we don't have many laws, but one of them is the gravity law, right? Um, The gravity law tells you, and it has huge empirical support, it tells you that you trade more with those economies that are larger and closer. Closer in a geographical way and in a cultural way. So that's why the UK trades so much with the EU, because it has huge economies that are very close and with which it shares a culture and they are not very far. And the same applies to the U.S. It trades a lot with Canada because Canada is smaller than the U.K. than the U.S., but it's still large and it's very close, right? So that applies to when you look at the trade across countries, that's a law that is always there. So trying to do deals abroad with third economies I guess they will try to do them. If I were them, I'd do them. I would do them, right? But um, it's it's going to be very, very hard to compensate the sort of relationship that affects half of your trade doing other trade deals abroad. 
So having half of the trade uh, with the European Union seems really difficult to, to replace. Absolutely. Uh, another argument that uh, many people are, uh, that support the Brexit say is that the UK would no longer be subject to the EU-wide labor standards and other regulations. And they believe that having this uh, greater flexibility and a new regulatory space would give some benefits to the British companies. What do you think about this uh, argument? I think that is not entirely true. I think that's very difficult. If you look at the EU regulations in an international comparison, you see it's one of the countries in the world, and of course in the EU, that is less regulated. So it's, quite, it's a quite liberal economy. Um, that implies that there's not, in my view, there's not much scope. I mean, it's not only my view. You have some studies that have looked in particular to regulation. Um, maybe they find there's a little bit of a scope, but not that much. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, if the labor markets are already quite liberal, uh, taxes are already quite low for an English-speaking country in the EU. So I don't think there is much scope by deregulating. I think there is also another very important thing related to regulation that is not so intuitive. So let me explain it a little bit. You know, a lot of the economic relationship between the EU and the UK has to do with how you regulate trade, what type of certificates, label, labeling requirements, sizes of products, the trade between the UK and EU should meet some standards. What is going to happen with Brexit is that if the EU, if the UK, excuse me, is not in the single market, then it will begin to have its own regulation and regulations will drift apart. And that is not good news for firms because firms want to sell in the UK and want to sell in the EU. So if regulations are different, it's going to be to, for them much more costly to be able to meet different type of, types of regulation. So. You have to think about that. Most of the trade agreements that are now being negotiated deal with these things that are called non-tariff barriers. That, that is differences in regulation for products or for services also. So the aspect of regulation is one thing one should be very careful about. According to your study and your paper, what would be the impact of uh, Brexit on UK GDP and how can we translate it to the citizens' daily life? How, can, how will citizens be impacted by this uh, event? Okay, so in this paper with Britain with Hidemichi uh, Yonezawa and Fabiana Oleksejuk, we uh, estimate precisely what are the reductions, because as I said, it's a negative impact for the UK. What are the reductions in GDP uh, of full barriers, those NTVs we were talking about, those studies, full full barriers already in place. That may take a while because at the moment, UK complies with EU regulation. So you need a little bit of time so that those regulations drift apart. So we try to estimate what could be the maximum impact of that. And we get a very important reduction in GDP. It depends also on the size of the barriers. So we have, because we don't know what are going to be the outcomes of the negotiations. So the, the UK may end up falling in, uh, like being a typical member of the WTO, and that would imply huge barriers, or it may have a better deal with the EU with lower barriers. So if we think of a soft uh, Brexit, 
that's that's that is not being in the WTO, it's a better trade deal with the EU, then we estimate that the foreign GDP could be around 1.6% for the UK, um, much less for the EU, around 0.16%, very little, nearly. So if you want to put those numbers in perspective, usually a good year of growth above which you begin to create more employments, more jobs in the economy, it's around 2%. So 2% is fine. If you grow more than 2% a, a year, then you are growing fast and your economy is doing well. Um, so imagine what means uh, losing around minus 1.6%. It means you will lose a lot of jobs. It's really bad news. And when we compare GDP, that falling GDP, we see that because GDP is value added, it is used to remunerate wages and firms' profits. So in our study, we, we captured that that reduction in minus 1.6% would translate very closely to reductions in wages of my 1.6% 1, 1. 1. and in firms' profits, even a bit larger than losses for firm profits. And that's a lot because usually you want to have higher wages in the economy. That's what we should be aiming for, right? And also profits. But if you turn to a hard Brexit, then the losses could be around 2.5%. Imagine, that's, uh, I mean, that's a lot of jobs, jobs destructions, destructions, lower wages, uh, lower profits for firms, and in for the EU, that will be around 0.3%. So very little, it's uh, very asymmetric. But those are more or less the results we find for GDP. And I must say that's a sort of intermediate impact am among the studies that are available. We don't get very extreme results compared to others, neither very low. It's sort of intermediate. And on unemployment and wages, if the European Union citizens that are currently working in the UK have to go back to their countries, right. wouldn't that increase the employment rate of the British uh, citizens and increase their wages? Well, no, that doesn't, you know, in general, if our economy is growing, then you are able to create more jobs. That, that means you're producing more and you need more hands in, or, in order to be able to produce more. So the amount of jobs in an economy is not fixed. If I have more immigrants, then I have less uh, local people working. No, that it doesn't work that way because immigrants are buying products, are uh, producing things, are being hired by firms in general. So that means there is more activity, right? So they also can be created their own jobs. You know, it's not that it's fixed the amount of jobs. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't see, you know, this economics in many respects is not a zero-sum game. It doesn't mean if you win, I lose. No, no, it's not always that. That is not always the case. That's probably also the case for other countries that are trying to uh, have these policies on immigration. Thank yeah, you. yeah. So we know that most of the people that voted to remain in the EU are young people. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think this uh, decision could be reversible in the future and what is needed to advance? This uh, that's a very good point. I hope it's reversible, uh, but uh, that that cannot be the case in the short run. I think you know uh, Article 50 has been triggered. That's a process that has to be somehow concluded. But I see, and um, I've heard other people, you know, professors and so on, talking about this, uh, that it's possible that this may change in a few years if 
you know, the citizens realize, uh, as you were saying, you know, young people are going to have a lot of years with a new um, structure, the new institutional way to deal with the EU and all that. Um, I think if they if they realize, which I think is going to be the case, that they were much better off earlier being part of the EU, uh, I think another referendum could take place and things may change. And I think that's a likely scenario. We cannot change it now, uh, but... I hope this could be changed in a few years. Great. So thank you again, uh, Maria, for coming to the Center of International Development and talking to us about your research on the economic impact of Brexit. Very interesting uh, work and paper that you have done. Thank you very much. It has been a pleasure. If you want to learn more about CID and our events, please visit cid.harvard.edu.